Welcome back to Talking Lead. This is episode 65, and we are at the FOP fundraiser. Eternal Order of Police. Another event show. Heroes Behind the Badge. Si, senor. Yes, we are here. And we've got and that people guy. people are filling in. They're starting to come in. We got that guy from last week that didn't, didn't get to talk much about last his week, stuff. Last week, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, <laughs> technically. But this isn't going to air until next week, so <laughs> we'll try to maintain the illusion. <laughs> okay. So what did you do with guns this week? Did you dig it up? <laughs> Thanks you, for having me what, back the what next you, day. What did you do with guns since our last well, show? Well, I went to Knob Creek, <laughs> and uh, no, I did <laughs> It's going on right now as I, we speak. I put mine on since our last show. That's about oh, it. okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have. I've got a uh, very nice new holster from Savoie Leather. Yes, you do. That I'm sporting today. Uh, it's for my Glock 23. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. I was. I was with you when you got it. Yeah. Maybe, but you haven't seen it on. <laughs> I'm gonna get you checked for Alzheimer's. You haven't seen it on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I've actually got it looped and on my side. So it looks good. It feels good too. I can't really tell that I've got it on there. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking that uh, it was going to be very comfortable because mm-hmm. one, it's a you can do inside or outside the yeah. waistband with it. So I'm doing outside the waistband. I don't like typically. I don't like through the belt um, holsters. I like the clips, but uh, I like this. It's comfortable. Have you put it inside the inside the waistband yet? Or I have still. Is it? I have. My pants are too tight. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if those were the size 32 or the 34. Yeah, these are the 32s. I'm going to have to go back to those 34s. For the, for for the, so it's a good thing I didn't get rid of those so I can go inside the waistband with these. I usually boys. I usually end up like that. If I'm going outside the waistband, I'm rolling the 32s. But yeah. 34 is where I go inside the waistband. and then Yeah, I just dropped down to the 32s. So I've got, you know, I was a 34. Were you trying to drop down to the 32s? No. Oh, no. see, I, I've, I've been training for this Tough mutter, and uh, it's just like shedding weight off of me. Man, but I've, I haven't I've lost stopped. any weight. I've oh, actually gained weight. Losing, yeah, you're just, just lost some fat. Losing fat, gaining muscle. Yeah, yeah I've, I actually stopped um, drinking a whole lot, which doesn't sound really good. Oh, why would you ever say. do that? I, I don't know, but <laughs> I actually stopped drinking a whole lot, and... I'm actually down like eight pounds off of not drinking a whole lot so at just, all. I've switched over to like red wine. Shout out to Cupcake Wine. I started Cupcake smoking wine? crack. That's how I started losing my weight. <clears throat> you crack smoker. It works fast. It's great for the skin. Yes. But no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> no, very comfortable. Math. So, But yeah, I'm going to rock the 34s probably tomorrow to see how it, how it goes uh, inside the waistband. So Matt. Getting hot? Mr. Matt Powell, as I take my jacket off. <laughs> Not like I'm going to take you on or anything. You know, it's funny. We're talking about, you know, losing weight and fitness because you're kind of like a fitness martial arts guru. We didn't really get to talk about that much. Sensei. Sensei. Yeah, kind of. Um, are you fi shu, shu fi? What, what are they called? Fi, fi, feng shui. Feng, feng shui. No. <laughs> Shifu. Ching chang. Shifu. Isn't that like, you know, <laughs> Kung chang, Fu chong, master tall. teacher guy? Bang, no, um, or is that just a Kung Fu I actually, I actually bing, had a guy bing, in, um, in Japan. Michael Curry in me, Korea um, sent me a birthday message on Facebook and he said Master Powell and that's the first time outside wow. of I've had I've had like different I've been put up for different awards with organizations where they'll put master but like technically I don't think I really qualify as master but yeah, yeah I've been at it for 15 years so I started back in 97 the math is probably bad but yeah back in 97 is when I 97. when I started and um, started back then and was training under a started system from called the bottom now you're here yeah, well, I, I, I've, I I've been around some great people um, over <laughs> like, time. Like Ludacris? 
like 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 ludicrous like, that in Eminem. Wait, yeah. you were Eminem for a while. Yeah. So um, tell the story. Wait a minute. We didn't. So, I, I missed this part. Yeah, yeah. I said, on, we were talking um, about on it last week's episode, um, probably about twelve hours ago. <laughs> I um, no, I was I was saying that I, there was a funny story about it. That we went, we were in Harlem when we were on tour. We went to a restaurant and um, we walked in. Since I'm the only white guy in the group. We sit down, and this um, elderly black lady that owned the place came over, and she said, "We got Ludacris, and we got Eminem in here." <laughs> and I was like, "Ma'am, I'm not." And, and Chris looks over, and he's like, "Shut up, just go with it, man. We gonna get free food." <laughs> and so, thing like by the end of it, I had taken a photo sitting with Chris, and I had to sign it as Eminem. Oh wow! <laughs> so somewhere in Harlem, there's a picture of me with Ludacris, and. My M&M bald, over your like, name, over not your looking, yeah, <laughs> not with looking anything like him. It, it, and the signature, I did try to sign Eminem. It looked more like hieroglyphics, but yeah. I've, I've so did you do like the big, to, the big loopy loop kind of signature? No, to make it, it look was, all it was, professional. And it was he real did quick the M and M's candy logo. It was real quick and dirty. The M and M candies logo. That's what she said. M M M. Now, Ben, I mean, it's funny how over the years, I mean, I, it's just I've seen the industry move in so many different directions. I've been around it for so long because I started, you know, most people have heard of Systema. And I started in a form of Russian style back in 97 um, under a Sistema? guy who's um, it's a well, it's a generic term for Russian martial art. OK. And um, I started back then under a guy. Um, he was teaching Russian martial art at the time named Scott Sonnen. And um, he you know, he was my teacher for a long time. Then, after about two years, I ended up um, going to Russia, going back and forth to a school called the Kadishnikov School um, for about four years, going the back Kalishnikov and forth, training school. over there. Learned a lot about the Kalishnikov over there from the Russians. So, so I trained back the, and forth. The Kalishnikov? Huh? No, 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 no. He was no. This some, this somebody is Kadishnikov. Another... Oh, different, different, different Russian name. Okay. They all real look close. The same. But... Spell it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I guess I could, but. And no. then in um, 2004, they said, go forth and prosper, or whatever the Vulcans say, because that's how they think. <laughs> Did they spread their <laughs> They spocked apart, me. That was, that was the main spot? kill move that I m- learned, was just the Vulcan death grip, and I just fall down. <laughs> so we, we started our own system, and then um, 2008, 2011, I stopped teaching publicly, mm-hmm. because I've mainly focused on military and law enforcement for a long time. So you're not teaching publicly anymore? I do. In okay. 2011, we came back out public with okay. Promec, um, which the system had been called since 2004. I was going to say, why the hell are we having you on the yes. show, man? I mean, what are you promoting? <laughs> and so now, I mean... You know, we, we've got uh, instructors in six states. got an instructor in the U.K., um, Holland, Germany, Israel. Um, you know, large, I mean, tons of videos. And, I mean, it's a, a manuals, written a bunch of books with um, some other researchers. So it's, we've, we've pushed it further than I ever thought it would be when I was just doing it. To, instead of getting in bar fights to, you know, getting... <laughs> <laughs> trying to make some money off of a student fights. somewhere. So you spent quite a bit of time in Russia. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I don't speak Russian. No, you None. don't. No sprickens. Uh, sprickens. Do you know Agent Gaia? Do you know Agent Zero? Sprickens. Instructor Zero. Instructor Zero. I think he's Italian. Oh, okay. Which would explain some of the ridiculous. Now, I bet you've got some does. pretty cool stories from over there, don't you? The I don't speak a lot of Russian. I always had a translator. Um, Dr. Shevets, if you're listening from Russia, hello. Sorry that we didn't make it over. Actually, me, David Reeder, Aaron Cowan, and Chris Nagamira from um, S3F Solutions were supposed to be there last week. But all this stuff going on, um, we were going over to Russia to train. 
with them and with all the stuff going on, the Russians pushed it back oh, gotcha. um, with all the stuff in the Ukraine. But um, the only thing that I could read was omelet, and the uh-huh. only thing that I could like see that I wanted to drink other than beer was Fanta. And so at this point, I will not eat omelets, and I despise <laughs> Fanta. Like people will pay me to drink Fanta, and I'm like. Fanta. Screw your Fanta. I am not. I can't say that, that I've ever disgusting. had a Fanta. I have. Have you? Yeah, my stepson and my daughter love them. What do they so. taste like? Sun kissed. Like bad Russian memories and tears <laughs> and pain <laughs> and weird prostitutes that. Does it make your teeth glow stuff. after you drink it? They actually it kind of feels them. like they do. Yeah, it's, it's radioactive. Disgusting. It is not very good at all. Plutonium nine in there, but it was that or or beer or vodka, and of course I was drinking beer. vodka like I was going out of business. So it was like, might as well roll out with some Fanta, vodka and Fanta, new mixed drink. That's the prom. It's a new fad. The, the prom. That's, that's the what prom we call it. The prom act. Yeah, vodka and Fanta. Eight parts vodka and. <laughs> A splash of Fanta? No, actually, I'm going to call that a Tuesday night. <laughs> Maybe a Wednesday. I might throw in something that looks like Maybe Fanta. Maybe a uh, great Fanta on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting ride. And, um, you know, I guess Aaron Cowan and I from Sage Dynamics know each other for about five years. We work mm. together, um, know a lot of the same people. I train under him, um, you know, and I teach for Sage Dynamics. And then um, we do a lot of work, work together. We actually just released a video today. Um, so last week, people... I'll go troll it later. Yeah, it, uh, troll the hell out of it. It's cool. We called it um, F3. F3? F3, Firearms Focus Fitness. And uh. so basically, it's not like guys like holding kettlebells and doing kettlebell lifts holding a pistol. We actually... It's actually designed to... We put a six-week challenge. If you uh-huh. do this, take your times at the beginning and take your performance at the beginning before you start it. And in six weeks, go back out. And we guarantee it will completely change your game. Really? It, because we're gonna we, have to come take a class. It's incre- It's it's a real. I mean, it'll smoke the. After it'll the smoke <laughs> you to death. This this workout is not easy, and it's not like I said. It's not. It's not goofy. Like I'm not Tony Horton, and I didn't get like an eye lift. And Aaron's not like Billy Blanks. It's oh, legitimate. Blanks. The way that we did it. Um, you know, we were real careful about it. Is he still around, Billy Blanks? You want? Oh, Probably. I got so many stories about you know, Billy Blanks. You know, he's um he he only made two hundred fifty thousand dollars off of Tybo. No way. Yep, signed a bad contract. Wow. No doubt. Signed a bad contract. <laughs> he got screwed. They made thirty five million dollars and he got paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to to do it. That's I wanna garbage. I wanna know who his agent was so we don't make that. Don't mistake. use them. Yeah. Same agent that I have. That's why, <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm doing this and I'm not in Hollywood. So no, what, just kidding. what all uh what are you hey, getting free diet cola, man? What's hey, not, not specialties, what do they call it? Disciplines do you have experience in? Martial arts. Um so my primary training was in if, if you were looking at disciplines, was um, really Sambo. Um, okay. So the three forms of Sambo. Is um, that Russian? Yeah. Okay. It's like uh, Russian jacket wrestling. It's like Russian Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Straight jacket wrestling. I do, I do like, Russian jacket wrestling every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I caught it. Um, Took but, you a while. <laughs> you know, that and... Um, God, there's been so many people that I've trained with, it's hard to like name all the different things that we've done. What we did was is we... 
Our theory is theory plus movement equals application. So mm-hmm. you break down everything scientifically to instead of like the rising dragon claw, it's levers and wedges and you know screws and physics, biomechanics, mechanics, and so forth. It's an easier way to teach because instead of teaching you technique A, now go uh-huh. and do technique A 500 times. Uh-huh. We're going to teach you the principle of human equilibrium, okay. and it's why you stand up. Okay. So once you understand why somebody stands up, it's very easy to weaponize that knowledge and make them fall down. That makes sense. So, so if you, sim- similar to Aikido. I like that. Weaponize well, that knowledge. That, that's, yes. you know, scientificize <laughs> it. Um, no, but, I mean, in so basically, you know, what we do is we kind of break down everything like that to where instead of going, okay, this is the technique and this is what you do, it's easy to learn for people that are just starting, but people that have been in martial art. Most of our people that come to us have been in martial art for 20, 30 years because right. the way we teach is so completely different um, than everybody else. Um, so for for a novice like me getting into it, would you su- suggest that I just jump into that or start off with another discipline first? To no, you could um, depend on what you want. I mean, literally, you could get like our combative striking series. It's four hours um, for thirty bucks. What? And um, yeah, we got cheap That's prizes. I got a day job. Um, <laughs> no wonder you have a day job you <laughs> because I'm a horrible businessman. Charge more. It's not even ten dollars an hour. I know. <laughs> I know. I hope so you I get roll. like 30 people in the class. Oh, I mean, we, our, our, our seminars are great. You're going, should, you're going everybody for says the same thing, that we should jump jack prices up, but we don't do DVD. It's digital download. So uh, our overhead is next to nothing. Okay. okay. So, so it's since not our, a class in a classroom. It's DVD. Or it's that video. video. We have okay. like over, we have dozens of instructional videos. Okay, so this so is not you I actually hands on in class person. for thirty bucks. Oh hell no! It's a, it, it's more expensive for me to walk out on the mat. Okay, than well, 30 then, that's expensive. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> but you get like combative striking, and you go in, you learn the mechanics, you learn how to strike, you learn strategy, you learn you know cutting people off corners, you learn clinch, you learn every single thing, but you learn it a different way than other people teach it. It's not technique. Sure. It's very principle driven. It's not like shooting. Where you need, you know, fighting is not like shooting. Shooting, you have your draw, you, you know, you get purchase on the weapon, you pull it out, you rotate it, you, you know, push, you punch out. Fighting's not like that because fighting doesn't go down like that. It's, it's a chaotic situation where They're fighting the same is, thing twice. Yeah, it's more problem solving than it is physical. Like you get, you start with your basic techniques that we teach, mm-hmm. but then after that, we really teach adaptation and problem solving. So you've got stuff going on with Aaron right now, Sage Dynamic, right? Yep, so we've got some um, co-courses coming up um, for weapon retention, weapon disarm, mm-hmm. um, combatives, close quarters, combatives classes, um, utilizing um, both the Sage Dynamics side and the Promex side. Uh, you know, we, we, he and I think very similar. And so for the firearms world, I'm not going to roll out there and be like, hey, guys. I can shoot guns. <laughs> I mean, you see a lot of guys that just show up on YouTube and they're right. doing bullshit. Like, I don't, like I'm not going to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys look legitimate. <laughs> I swear. But I'm Keyword not going to jump yeah, into, right. the fit, or into the firearms industry myself. A, I don't have, I'm a competent shooter and I know what I'm doing, but I, I don't have time to do that. I love combative. So I partner with somebody that knows what they're doing, that we can work together and create courses together. Like fitness. Um, I work with a guy named Eric. He's got a program called Warrior Mode, and it's ridiculous. We released a product on that. It's a badass body weight um, workout program that I'm not going to be like Mr. Fitness Guy. I'm going to partner with somebody that is extremely good at what they do, and then we'll create a product together versus me trying to be all things to everybody because I'm just going to fall short. 
You're all things to us. You guys <laughs> look legit. You for the firearms community. are so beautiful. Oh, God. Two Stop shows in a row. at me. <laughs> Two to shows Zeke. in a row. <laughs> wow. Little Joe Cocker for... I'm not looking for listeners. the Heinz commercial again. Hey, so all right, I got a question for you. What does the name of your company mean? Does it mean something? Um, What's the Promac is the practical mechanics um, system. It's actually the original name of the Kadishnikov system in Russia. We named it Promac as kind of an homage to our lineage, um, and he blessed it. Um, said, "Yeah, you can do it." So we, cool. you know, we wanted to do what they never did, mm-hmm. and to push beyond what they had developed. And so we felt like it was fitting to, to call it that before. That's what it was called before it was called the name they call it over there. Mm-hmm. So we went with the original name because we're going with the original concept of taking science and applying it to everything in our own way. Good answer. I know. Like I'm that. a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I got a brown belt in Taibo. I got a brown Ooh. skid mark in my... <laughs> <laughs> that counts. <laughs> Is that, what's that count for? I got a I got a black belt and ching ching bang bang. I took ching ching bang bang. Come on, man. I took jujitsu in college for a class for a whole summer, and at the end, I was like, "Did we like get a belt or anything?" He goes, "Yeah, you probably you're probably a blue belt." <laughs> so you like, know, I yeah. I'm it's a blue funny belt. <laughs> because I know um, Hoyler Gracie, uh-huh. and um, he just had a big fight. Yeah, with Eddie yeah. Bravo, yeah. and um, I saw Hoyler at Shot Show. He was there with um, a bunch of friends, and we, were, we all got together. Oh, yeah, Hoyler's major gun guy. I was going to say, we got interrupted because uh, I'm trying to get a bid in on those Noveski lowers. <laughs> Is there? Yeah, yeah there's two. There's two they got two there. Noveski lowers. Over a lot there. of bids on them those. Pepper's checking on Oh, uh, okay. So we've got our better halves here with us yes. today. Mrs. Zeke and Pepper. Yep. So they're uh, keeping an eye on some of the uh, auction items for us so we don't miss out while we're doing the show. All right, I'm going to let you plug Promac again because it might get kind of crazy with all the people coming in. We may forget to plug it. So, <laughs> Where you uh, you can, you Okay, you can go on to www.promec.com. That's P-R-A-M-E-K. And um, you can go on there. There's tons of stuff, tons of free videos you can watch. You can go on our YouTube. It's actually linked from the website. So when you go to the website, just hit watch, and it'll um, pop up all the YouTube videos on the website. Um, on Facebook, facebook.com slash systems. So you can awesome. look us up over there. Instagram, I am Matt Powell is my Instagram. And you are. Um, Twitter is I am Matt Powell. You are. And Tumblr is I am Matt Powell. Tumblr. So, yeah. Kind of everything. Man, there's another new one. Tumblr? Don't get on We've there. It's pretty I, liberal. All I, all I do is Tumblr is just link our Instagram to it. I've I never even looked at it. I think that's the name of my Instagram. Let me check. I'm not, I'm not social it's media. It's I am Matt Powell. I'm not, I'm not I looked big, at it last night. I'm not a huge social media person i mean i'm on there and if, I, I need all the likes i can get all the thumbs up so thumbs, I, don't, I don't get i don't get all right so if all you do is post to instagram and it goes to tumblr and all these why do you need all these other freaking did you know in the, asia the, there's a, the public images i want to be able to have a platform for everyone to see things the real images seo search it, engine optimization SEO. Man, yeah. I'm still the on more, MySpace. The more you're out there in all these sites, the more hits you get on the search engines and the more you're seeing. I first. mean, we're set up on, like, Orchid. We're, we're, I'm well, set I understand up. that, but, I mean, uh, why okay, do Cupid, they develop I don't care. Like, I'll get on anyway. You're doing the same thing on Instagram and Tumblr. Because, well, here's the thing for me is that um, I would say 80% of our web traffic, and we get a lot of web traffic at promek.com, P-R-A-M-E-K.com, um, <laughs> 
Say with the Russian knows voice. It's your plug. boy, Matt Powell. He knows um, how to plug. Say with the Russian but voice. Pramek. 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 <laughs> you son of a bitch. With a K. Um, but 80% of our, all of our um, traffic is organic. It's not social media related. And so for us, I'm trying to, I mean, Instagram is a completely, we get more stuff on Facebook than we get on Instagram mm-hmm. because Instagram's not a huge martial art area because martial art and um, fitness hasn't pushed in there because not, you can't like show Start a picture it. of a punch like you can a uh, Savoie leather. Um, you got 15 second videos. Yeah, you can do that, but it's it's not the same as Start people it. love gun porn. Be a trend. I already have. It's called IG. Uh, it's um, Promac IG tip. It, hashtag okay. Promac IG tip, and it's um, 15 second like instructionals that we put up there every now and. I mean, I yeah. I go after these things, but you never know if they're going to work. But we we try right. to push into it. And then Matt, you're going to stick around the whole show, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll be here. I'll Sweet. So we've got a uh, guest that just stepped in studio. 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 Stepped in the kindergarten preschool room where we're set up. (laughs) Our makeshift studio. Point of our being here is the Heroes Behind the Badge uh, fundraiser. Uh, We have the executive producer of this film, Bill, and if I screw your last name up, I'm sorry. Erfurth. Erfurth. There you go. Bill Erfurth. We had to say it a lot of times on the last show when he came on. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, right? Yeah. But now we can see in person, not just on a little Skype video thing. So there you go. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when we did uh, the last interview, I was up in Canada. Yeah. So that's why we did it. On now, do you Skype. live in Canada? Uh, I have a second home up in Western Canada. Okay. So I was away on my ski trip, hiding from the world. Nice. It was nice. You swung the camera around and you were showing us some of the uh, the scenery out your windows. Oh yeah. yeah. I think it was a little cloudy because it was snowing that day. So, it was nice though. It was beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Bill, tell us about uh, Heroes Behind the Badge and your involvement with it as the executive producer. So, you know, Heroes Behind the Badge is a real labor of love. It's uh, it's a documentary film that we did in partnership with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in Washington, D.C. And that's a particular memorial in D.C., very much like the Vietnam Veterans Memorial or any of the others that you might think of. There's 20,000 names on that wall in Washington, D.C. of law enforcement officers that have been killed in the line of duty. It's, uh, it's very impressive. It's actually coming up this uh, May. May 13th is National Peace Officers Memorial Day throughout the country. And um, in Washington, they have a, an, an entire week of events in honor of the fallen officers. And why we're here tonight is uh, Jay and Dave and some of the other folks here are actually part of a group that goes to Washington, D.C. each year to, uh, to honor the fallen, quite frankly. And uh, so we, uh, we got together with the National Memorial to do these movies, and there'd never been a full-length feature documentary film done about the sacrifices and losses within the ranks of law enforcement and the goings-on during National Police Week. So in partnering with Craig Floyd, the chairman of the National Memorial, we came together to make these movies, and uh, they've had a very, very powerful impact on a lot of people. Now, is this your first stop in the States with this, or have you been to a couple of other screenings so far? Yeah, no, we started screenings in December, okay. actually. So we had our premiere. Way down the list. <laughs> uh, not, not too far not too down far, the list, though. Too much, yeah. I was in 85 cities with this first film wow. last year, and we did about 120 screenings of that. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure where we're at with this one, but we premiered this film, the follow-up to the first one in New York City, and it's been uh, rolling strong ever since. Nice. This is the second one in the in the series, right? Correct. And you plan on continuing this? 
Well, yeah. I'm going to take a little bit of a break. I saw a little stress look in his face. Like, oh. <laughs> the, the travel. I don't want to push you into anything. The travel has been crazy, crazy. And then honestly, uh, this summer I've got two television shows that are coming up. So those are the next priorities. And gonna, what are those? Uh, one is uh, a, a TV series with NBC. That's. Um, a show that's coming back that is a huge hit from back in the day, which I can't quite say, but I'll let can you we guys. Guess? You can try and guess. Can you give us a hint. Uh, Way back in the days, is T.J. Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a bad connotation. <laughs> I was going to say policewoman. Wow, Seinfeld. I hadn't even thought of either. Night Rider, no. Seinfeld. Blink once if it's Seinfeld, and if it's. No, I'm going to put a gun to your head. I, I further think, back, right? I think we're You're talking like 70s police. Not that far police back. Show, it's right? a police-related show. Yeah, yeah. Bill Street Blues, Magnum PI. Oh. Wow, you guys are hitting all the shows, but you uh, haven't hit it yet. Oh man! So uh, got that coming up. Uh, I think the pilot's going to be shot next month in Miami. Now, are you where, where are I'm you from? Producing, directing, or no? Acting? On that, on the You're NBC, an actor also, right? On the NBC show, oh, I'll have a part in that show, and then I'll be uh, the technical advisor, and then uh, in July. We're, we're going to be shooting another TV show, which uh, I will be producing. I'll be producing and be in it, actually, and it's uh, for the Discovery Channel. And it's going to be called Miami Voodoo, and it's going to be about ritualistic crime in the occult. Oh, wow. That'll be cool. And in Miami, it's shocking how prevalent that is in society. Uh, you know, the Haitians practice sure. voodoo. The Cubans, many of them practice Santeria, and the Afro-Caribbeans practice uh, Palo Mayombe and black magic. So... In law enforcement, and I was a cop in Miami for 26 years, and I was the commander of the the drug unit. It's just unbelievable when you when you you know you're doing these drug deals or search warrants. How many people are practicing the you're occult? The and, cult stuff, yeah. and you know they're always putting some crazy curse on you or something like that. Yeah. What's so. the craziest thing you ever saw down there, cult related? Cult related was. Um, well, there's a number of things, but there was one guy that was, um, he was, you know, it's interesting because they, um, the, the Haitians have like their zombies, right? Mm-hmm. And so the zombie thing is really a true deal because what, the way that works, quite frankly, is is there's a fish, it's called a puffer fish, and it's sure. a little puffer thing. It's actually quite poisonous to eat if you don't know how to cut it up correctly. Mm-hmm. So they, they take the puffer fish and then they dry it up into powder and then they blow the powder on you or they ingest the powder. And so for certain people that, that it, you know, take in too much of the powder, it puts you into this almost com- comatose state. type state. Right. And so oftentimes what happens is people that are actually pronounced dead are not quite dead because they can't, they can't register their vital signs. And wow. so some of them, you open the caskets later and you can see the scratch marks on the top of the coffin when they're trying to get out because they li- literally were buried alive. That's scary. They've had people actually show up like 30 years later. Sometimes. And, and say, I'm so-and-so. And yeah. you know, people you're are like, no, you're dead. And literally in Haiti, and if, and if you know the right places to go in Haiti, they have zombie farms where they just wow. kind of walk around like the Dawn of the Dead kind of thing. So we actually had a case uh, that I uh, that I was not personally involved in, but happened to be there uh, after the fact. And it was a guy that um, was a, in a bit of a, a zombie state from their voodoo ceremony, and he's walking down the street, 
with his wife's head in his hand. Oh my gosh! And when the officers approached him, I read he had about it by, that. by the hair and, and threw it, and the head bounced off one of the officers' chests and fell on the street. I remember and, reading about that. Yeah. That was it's got to be a little trauma. That was a long time. That was 10, 15 years. Yeah, about another that. Tuesday about night that. down on yeah. Lafayette Street. Yeah, it was just another it's just, you know everyday occurrence down there, huh? Another party, <laughs> flopping heads around. <laughs> <laughs> now you've been you've been in some uh, some pretty big name movies. Um, one I watched here recently, and I guess it was before. Before I, I knew you, but I didn't know you were in it because I was looking you up on IMDb here. Ah, oh, you're stalking me. Pain and Gain? Pain and Gain. I actually, you know, it's interesting. Where were you in that movie? Is that the Mark Wahlberg movie? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg okay. and, and The Rock. The Rock. Yeah, we just mm-hmm. recently watched it. It's hilarious. It. Yeah, but it's a crazy movie. But It's based it, on a true story. It's based on a true story, and it happened when I was still on the job down there. And, and it was uh, these two guys that were personal trainers in a, in a health club. Right. And they decided that uh, everybody else seemed to have a lot of money, and they wanted that money, too. And... They wanted their piece of the pie, and it was it was truly a comedy of errors because these were they guys really that dumb. They were that dumb. They were <laughs> they were bumbling idiots, quite frankly. And they tried to kill these people on three separate occasions, and every time they flubbed it. You know, they just screwed it up. And so, um, I spent you know I spent um, six years developing that show with Michael Bay that directed oh, wow. it, and uh, basically in developing it was just pulling the case files and, and all the realistic stuff. And we brought in some of the old homicide detectives that were retired that had worked those cases. Um, but Michael took a lot of creative liberty in yeah. that show. Uh, I remember one day he called me on the cell phone. And he's like, Billy, where are you? Where are you? You got to get over here. And I go, what's going on? And he says, you got to see this warehouse that we we, we, we set decorated. It's unbelievable. And, I, and so I walk in and it's like this this porn shop with dildos <laughs> and blow-up dolls. And I said, I said, I don't remember ever researching anything about that. He goes, he goes, oh, we're going to roll with it because it's funny as shit. You know, like, okay. It's awesome. It's going to get a laugh. It's for pain yeah. and game part It was two. hilarious. Oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a wild, wacky movie. I, I don't know how many scenes. I'm in five or six scenes in that movie or something. Yeah, I think a, I remember seeing you. A little it. talking part. Yeah. They always throw me a little bone and... And then you were in uh, Bad Boys 2? Yeah, I was also. in Bad Boys 2. That was the better one of the two, too. Of, of the Bad Boys? Yeah. Is yeah, it? Bad Boys 2 was a great movie. I mean, and, and did they bad... did three of those? Hmm. Just two. Just two? No. Three's on the way. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, we've been talking about it. What uh, what else have you been in? Uh, CSI, uh, another movie called Canvas that I produced with Joey Pantliano and Marsha Gay Harden, Academy Award winner. Yeah. And uh, a couple other TV shows for National Geographic and Discovery here and there. You're so. a busy guy. Yeah. How, how do you find time to, to work this documentary in during all this? Well, you know, you, you kind of have to just schedule around things, and that's why uh, I've blocked off my whole July for shooting the Discovery series. And, um, you know, I just I was just reading an email just a few minutes ago before I came and sat down with you guys from my producing partner out in Los Angeles, and he's trying to change dates on me, and I'm flipping my lid because I pushed everything from July into August, and now he wants set, to do right? it in August, and I'm... I said, we can't do that. Yeah, no, know. sir. Can't do it. Yeah. So. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, we're excited about it. We've heard a lot of good stuff about it. So. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I would say in traveling around with this new documentary, it's called Heroes Behind the Badge, Sacrifice and Survival. It's part two. Mm-hmm. It's not a sequel. It's kind of a, you know, because a sequel deals with the same people, but it's all new stories. This one is a little bit more intensive about the survivors mm-hmm. than the, the line of duty deaths. I'd say about 65% of the folks that watched 
the movie think that this one's stronger than the first one. And, oh, wow. mm. you know, I was just telling some of the guys here that I recognized from last year, and they're like, wow, I don't know how you could have made a stronger movie than the first one. And we were worried about that because, you know, whenever you try to, yeah. you know, keep up to the reputation of your first thing or the last it's project, tough, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. yeah, I saw the first one, and uh, it was. I mean, it was very, I mean, quality, right on. We give you kudos for that, and it, I mean, it's heart-wrenching, man. Yeah, we're so fortunate because um, for both films, our director, Wayne Derrick, was all about that. He's a two-time British Academy Award winner. He's actually wow. in China right now working on another film. And uh, our cinematographer, four-time Emmy Award winner. And then Vincent D'Onofrio is our, oh, wow. our narrator. Nice. One of my and favorite actors. He's back, you know, yeah. and for those that don't remember who he is, Private Pile and Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah. He was the lead in <laughs> Law and Order, Law Criminal Order. Intent. And so we were just together a couple See, of weeks this, ago. This show ends up with so many yeah, six degrees from to, to Full Gunny. Metal Jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Gunny is our announcer for our Jack Wagon train. Oh, so he does okay. a segment on our show, yeah. <laughs> nice. So we always yeah. get Harley these Army. little connections from Full Metal Jacket coming back to the show for some reason. But hey, yeah, that's, it'll work. that's still a, you know, a legendary movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's still good every time you watch it. Yeah. 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 It'll never go out of style. You know, and yeah. Vincent took a little bit of a hiatus for a while, and uh, now he's got four movies coming out this summer. Really? So he He's is rock and roll. Oh, yeah. He really is. The yeah. Cell? Have you seen The Cell? See CSI? Yeah. Oh, no. He was yeah. in one of those. Law and Order. Yeah. Criminal Law and Order. Yeah. 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 Very good. But, you know, the interesting thing is his character <laughs> is kind of like who he is. Really? Yeah. yeah He's kind of quirky. Yeah. He, yeah. Was he yeah. Was he in that um, J-Lo movie? Yeah, The Cell. That's what I was going to say. Man, that was, that was a, a weird movie. But he was good in it. No, he was. Oh, he had me on edge like... Yeah, I'm not want to run. He's into that. Uh, he's got a film coming out with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, he's doing Jurassic Park 22 or whatever it is. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm that excited one. about that. I love the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, yeah they're, I think awesome. they're incredible. Yeah, I like so, the first one. Pumped. He was down. In, he was that. down in Brazil shooting that one. So now, if you ever, I'm not going to watch it unless Jeff Goldblum's in it, though. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you ever have a call for a redneck version of Penn and Teller, just know you've you've you you've guys. Found yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't do Stand the magic. Up. Yeah, he's. Yeah, but you're a big guy. You could yeah. be. You could be like Vincent Stand-in. I could. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. I, would I have to shave? No, because okay. well, you know, he he keeps it kind of. Gruff, you know. Okay. He doesn't right. shave do a lot. Yeah, yeah. We need to talk with uh, with Pepper because she's uh, an actress also. Oh, is that right? She works on the uh, Nashville show. Oh, okay. yeah, she's running around here. You'll somewhere. have to introduce me. Yeah, I'll introduce you. <laughs> gotcha. Now let me ask you a question. When when you've been in that many movies, do people ever be like, "You look, you look so that familiar"? Guy. Are you know, are you one of those that guys? I know you're. Uh, we got a buddy Patrick Kilpatrick that's been in a bunch of different mm-hmm. things, and he's that guy. That nobody ever knows. Like they don't know who he is, but the moment they see him, they're like, "Oh, that guy!" Like yeah. you ever get people that are just like, "Wait a minute, I know you from somewhere. I know you. I can't figure out where it is because you've been on the silver screen, as they say." You know, uh, uh, occasionally, sometimes I have people that just sort of like gawk at me, and I'm not quite sure whether that's just because of my bald head or something, and I and they think <laughs> I look like. But you know, here's the funny thing is. The governor of Florida, and I live in Florida, his name is Rick Scott, and a lot of people think that we look alike, 
And so I've had people come up to me thinking that I was the governor. And uh, actually, I was, Did you work- run with it? I was working out in the gym the other day, and somebody came up to me and goes, Governor? And I, and, you know, so. Just kind of nod. Yeah. 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 So I only asked that because when you walked, I, I was outside and you walked by, and I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. Like, who he's just is got a, that guy? He's got a swag about him. It's, it's just something about. I know that guy. Swagger. See, we have to beg people to recognize us. Like, you hadn't seen us? <laughs> no, nah, you never know. I mean, it's very, <laughs> very rare, man, quite what? frankly, because, you know, when I when I have done these TV shows and, and movies, with the exception of, of, of two different things, I've always had, like, a smaller part because they're, they're really good about... S- throwing you a little bone because because oh you have this you know with Screen Actors Guild up. you get the residuals right you know, so you found him on the yeah, online I found there, him. You know, I don't uh, see you know there's, if he had a goatee maybe I mean I'm seeing Woody Harrelson here on this guy yeah <laughs> I'm I, thinking I, you Bruce know, Willis the people that really know me don't see the resemblance too much I mean uh-huh. You know, the anytime, ball, anytime you have a bald head, everybody right. thinks everybody yeah. with a bald head. He might be a tall guy like you, too. Really yeah, good. and I just grew this goatee, actually, within the last month. So I actually grew it for this next TV show. So you got to keep it. you got to keep the facial hair. Uh, you know, it's amazing now. Now that I've actually grown it and paid more attention, I can't believe how many people has, have facial hair yeah. now. Yeah, and well, I guess it's really the in thing now. And I had, I usually grew a beard from Thanksgiving to Christmas every year. That, I had a holiday beard is what I called it. But when we started the show, I had the beard, and then I shaved it off about the same time we started a YouTube channel, and people went nuts. Don't you ever shave your beard? I was like, crap. But I hated like being clean-shaven. So now I'm just like, I'm going to go with it. Well, you know, when you're in Miami, it's all about the metrosexual yeah. look and the manscaping and all this other nonsense, you know, so whatever. One of, one of my favorite. I'm moving there immediately. <laughs> Trimming the bonsai tree. One of my favorite internet memes about beards is like, go, um, I understand that a beard would not complement the feminine look you're looking for, so uh, go ahead and keep shaving. That's my favorite one. I send it to all my buddies. They're like, I shaved. Right. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, you sent it to me after yeah. I shaved mine. I had... I, I was kind of the same way, though. I would grow it out at certain points of the year, whenever it was cold or it was no-shave November or, or, you know, whatever it was. And so I just kept it for a year. And then I was sitting in front of the, the mirror, and I actually – I didn't mean to shave it. Yeah. I had the wrong guard because I was shaving my head. You know how many times I've so done I had like the I had, like, the, the little half inch, like the smallest uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. And so – I was, you know, going over and blah, 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 and all of a sudden I was like, well, there goes the beard. That's, I'm not that's gonna why be I've got to go to you right now is because I start off with the beard trimming and it's like, oh, crap, you just, long guard. Because then you have to actually go to one of these metrosexual manscaping places to get them to <laughs> touch that up, and then you're getting your toenails done. Yeah. Get a mankini. Get a mankini. Get a butt wax. Bra- Brazilian. Oh. <laughs> get the Brazilian wax. Brazilian. The manzillion. Yeah, right. Ouch. <laughs> I think we talked about that uh, last show, didn't we? What's that? Brazilian waxing? We did? It must have been another Do they, do, they do that here in Tennessee? I'm sure. Somewhere. Really? Yeah, actually, yeah, they do. Because I remember on, made, 20, yeah. on I-24, there was a, uh, a billboard for a while that said something about getting your Brazilians done Come here. on. Yeah. Wow. It was kind of crazy. I did see um, a, like a lady walk in her pit bull and a guy behind her. You with, see her Brazilian uh, No, no, no. But no, you were asking, do they do this in so Tennessee? She had no pants on. And so she was walking her pit bull and, you know, she had meth mouth. And then the guy <laughs> behind her was a little bit of a mess. And then the kid in the very last was in like um, camouflage pants with no shoes and no shirt on. <laughs> and I was like, they do this in Tennessee. Like, 
pull. But when they got around the building and walked back around, uh-huh. that kid looked complete. They had straightened themselves up because there's so many officers here. Like, they had completely changed <laughs> oh, themselves. Oh, so this was right here. legitimate. Yeah, it was, I mean, right before everything, <laughs> they looked like, you know, all-American family by the time they got around. Yeah, well, it's an interesting neighborhood right here. And, and, and I remember from last year when we did it, there were a lot of people walked by. And, you know, plus they've got all the SWAT trucks and all the stuff out there. So it's pretty interesting. Uh-oh. Well, I think they're two announcing. Minutes. You say two minutes or ten minutes? For the auction. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you're ready to wrap the auction up? Yeah. Hey, so I want to share a story with you guys about yeah. last week, and it has to do with this film. So uh, last week we were in Pittsburgh, and one of the featured stories in this movie is about an officer from the Pittsburgh area. His name is James Kuzak, and he was shot five times. He was paralyzed, and he's currently in a wheelchair. So it was a big to-do last week, and they, and they actually held the screening at Heinz Field where the Pittsburgh Steelers play. And there was a lot of media on television and whatnot. And so this is one of those really rewarding feel-good stories. So as a result of all the media coverage, one of the local uh, business people, 84 Lumber actually, you might as well give them the kudos for yeah, 84 Lumber, absolutely. they stepped up and offered to buy him any car of his choice and completely retrofit it for him so he can get in and out with his wow. out of his wheelchair. Cool. And um, That's awesome. It was so, so That's special, awesome. actually. It was really, really great that, that they did that for him. So it was, awesome. it was a, a really fun weekend last, last week. I can imagine. So. I, was re- yeah, I, was, I was looking at, I, I saw something about that on, uh, on here earlier. I saw something about Heinz Field when you said that. Yeah, yeah we might have you posted it on Hines the things. You just saw and you latched on the Heinz because of last night. Well, last night. fine, the Heinz 57. <laughs> no, we will not play it. No, don't do it. you sing Carly Simon at all? Uh, do I sing? Yeah. No, you don't want to hear me sing. Last night show slash last week's show because this is going to air next week. He spent 20 minutes finding the Heinz theme song from it was, the 70s. It was killing me. <laughs> I had to, but you found it, huh? It was like stuck in my head, but I couldn't quite get it. You know how he's like, found it I know it is, but I can't quite. So apparently, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger Heinz bomb. Yeah, out there, there. there was that? there was a ketchup bomb in there. There was like a ketchup bomb video. Yeah, or like the old Rick Roll. Have you seen those? The Rick Rolling when you're on a YouTube video, all of a sudden Rick, what's his name? Rick, Rick Astley? Astley. Start singing Rick Never Gonna Give never You gonna give It's you called Getting Rick Rolled. Never Gonna Let You Down. Well, last week I thought I had found the video for the Heinz commercial, and all of a sudden you hear Arnold going, you son of a bitch. And then it goes into this like hip-hop music, and I'm like, okay. yeah. We nice just, uh, ketchup we got just ketchup flying roll. everywhere. <laughs> Have you seen so. the one with the car where it's driving down like the country road? And you're supposed to watch it, and as it gets closer, the they say, "Look at the tires! Up. Look at the tires!" And then this like scary person jumps up and screams. Oh, yeah. I hate those. Yeah, oh, that got me the first time. Well, Bill, man, we're, we're we're looking forward to checking it out. I think okay. we got some Thanks excited for... people out there. Yeah, They're winning like... some of these so silent auctions. The, the auctions. A lot more people are starting to show up. Yeah, did you yeah. check out what they got out? Yeah, stuff? we did. Yeah, yeah. we saw. We got here a little bit earlier, so we got to check everything out. And I think weren't you guys instrumental in getting some mm-hmm. of this stuff? Yeah, we got a few of them from yeah. uh, some people that had been on our show. And awesome. Yep. People some we just contacted and get some stuff in. So yeah, thanks. For, thanks a lot for that, guys. Yeah, not a problem. Good it's good cause. Good cause. Hey, we appreciate everything that you're doing also. Yeah, thank you very this, much. this documentary. So, yeah, well, thank you for your support and uh, supporting law enforcement. Yep, absolutely. Can uh, can we put it out there? Heroesbehindthebadge.com yes. is the website. Go so if, uh, if anybody wants to get a copy of either film, quite frankly, they can go to heroesbehindthebadge.com and click, click on a link. It goes 
right to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. You can nice. get a copy on DVD or Blu-ray. Actually, you, is it downloadable at all? Or? Uh, actually, the first film's on iTunes and Amazon okay. and all that kind of good stuff, too. Heroes Behind the Badge. And 50% of the proceeds goes back to support the National Law Enforcement awesome. Officers Excellent. Memorial. Very cool. So make sure yeah. you check that out. Yeah. Guys, do that, definitely. All right. And yeah. uh, check out Bill Erfurth. Right. Erfurth. Right. It's E-R-F-U-R-T-H. T-H. There you go. Yeah. Google him. That way you can uh, check him out in his movies. Uh, <laughs> Bad Boys 2, Earth, Pain and Gain, All those CSI. Yeah. And then soon to be some unnamed Some, yeah, re- revamped. Show. We'll figure that out. That's right. Only but goody. <laughs> That's right. So are you going to have like a, a huge part in that? Are you going to be a main no, character kind just, of deal? Just, you know what, I get, a, I get these little parts because it keeps my sag card active and gets yeah. me a little bit of residual action on that. Pays so. for that Canadian house up there. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Very cool. Thank you Thank for you guys. Show, Thanks Thank so you. much Appreciate and it. take care of Looking yourself. Looking forward huh? to seeing this film. Excellent. All right, so Matt has got to leave. Uh, there is a nasty storm brewing up here and he's still got to drive back to Hotlanta on a Schmerna home of Glock. But I so. wanted to show you something. Yes. We don't get the Do EDC. Do a quick EDC there. This is my boot knife that I carry everywhere and you're going to laugh when you actually see it. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? What is the fungus growing on that? No, that's where somebody has repeatedly used that thing. Look at oh, it. Oh, really? So, uh, folks at home, you can't really it's, see it, but there's a needs naked to be. lady. Actually, it's an angel. She's got wings. It's and in her crotchal area, there's this like worn. <laughs> I was at a, looking I was at a gun show and I saw it and I was looking for a good boot knife because mine was broken and I said, "Man, look at that thing!" And I was with my buddy uh, Walter Barber. What's up, Walter? And I, I saw it and it was ten bucks. <laughs> and I got That's it. Awesome. I figured you'd, you'd like that. I do like that, Matt. Thanks for coming on. We're gonna I have you on y'all. many, many more times. Yeah, anytime. Thank you, Sensei, Master, <laughs> Master, 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 Pal. Hey, any. What's your last name? Bates. Any, I know. Master, are you, are you a fish baiter? Master, later. y'all didn't do <laughs> chicken. All right, nobody knows that joke. No, I yeah. appreciate y'all having me on. It's yes. P-R-A-M-E-K dot com. It's P-R-A-M-E-K dot com. And I am Matt Powell on all the social media. Yeah, Instagram, I am Matt Powell. Um, I post a lot of pictures of fighting dogs, guns, and occasional... F- yeah, we definitely will. You rescue fighting dogs, though. You're not posting pictures no, of fighting. No, of fighting. And comma, dogs. Dogs, and, uh, there you go. comma, food. Not fighting dog fighting food. Dogs. Yes. <laughs> thanks, guys. All right, thanks, man. All right, so when we left off at the show, at the actual fundraiser, there was a storm brewing. Matt had to take off to Atlanta, but there was a whole lot more that we wanted to talk to him about. So we brought him back in, didn't actually bring him back up to Nashville, but we're Skyping him in. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Before we go on with Matt's interview, I do want to mention that it's kind of timely with what the the meaning of this show and this fundraiser we're doing is uh, recently... Between the time we had the fundraiser and today in Nashville, Metro Police Officer Andrew Nash was found dead inside of his home on uh, McMurray Drive. And I know that's a close friend of one of our listeners. He had asked us to mention it. We just want to say our our thoughts are with the the family and all the uh, fellow police officers of him. And uh, make sure you keep him in your thoughts and prayers. So, Matt, you made it home all right, I'm assuming. It was a that was a, it was a beast storm. Um it it caught me pretty much the entire way. So, it 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 took a long time to get back. But yeah, it was it was it was pretty ugly. Any tornadoes, twisters? No, um Savoie leather did not <laughs> show up at the Arby's when I was um 
grabbing grabbing my market fresh sandwich. <laughs> they didn't jump on that tornado. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 they did not. <laughs> well, when you had to leave, we were talking about um, kind of how the firearms community and the martial arts community and the social media is a little bit different, even though you've tried to start putting on the little tactical or the uh, training tips on Instagram with the little 15 second videos. And then you wanted to go in a little bit more about firearms training and how it meshes with what you do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the one thing that when you have a firearm, um, you know, you always have to be prepared for the situation, you know, in which you have some type of failure or, or malfunction when you're in the middle of the engagement. Um, you know, you might have to get rid of the firearm for some reason. It got, might get knocked out of your hand. You might have to fight over a firearm. Um, you know, you do have to retain it, especially for concealed carry folks that don't have any type of retention on their holster. Last night we had, um, we actually posted up a video. I don't know if you saw it on our Instagram of, um, one of our students in Atlanta, Danny, she's a um, police officer here and she was going through retention drills with strikes, um, on the Spartan training gear helmet. Um, so you know, you, you always have to be ready for that situation and to recognize that, you know, in close quarters, you might have to lay hands on somebody. And I think it's and you're not a lot talking of people, about praying for them. No, not not pray, well, praying for their soul if it goes wrong. <laughs> but, you know, I think a lot of people and I might catch flag for it, but I don't care. They get gun centric and they think that's all they need. And, you know, they they get gun citric and they say, okay, well, I got the gun. I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, or they buy a $400 combat knife and, you know, they, they use it for opening letters. And, you know, it's the, the martial arts side of it, the discipline that you have for the firearm side is the same type of discipline. I'm not telling people go out and try to be Ralph Macchio and the Karate Kid, but – and I'm also not saying to go and take Kung Fu or something. Learning good, solid combatives, good, basic combative skills. So Kung the, Fu is not a good, solid combative? I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to do a um, horse stance into the flying dragon <laughs> claw. But, you know, the, the knife hand strike, the cup deer strike, um, you, know, the, you know, the palm palm up and you know the palm heal the palm up into the face you know learning your vital targets learning you know those types of things a lot of learning psychology Hmm. all those things come out of the the combatives field that i think it's important that people in the firearms field get a good feel for and it also elevates the training a little bit because you can get in and get hands-on with your shooting partners and be able to work through some different drills and say okay you know what would happen if this were going on you know we get into the the square range mentality that we go to the range, whether it's an outdoor range or indoor range, we shoot paper, we go home, we think we're ready for a fight. Right. And, you know, a Farthest lot of thing from the truth. Yeah. I mean, and you're, you're not. And I've, one of the most important things is to get comfortable, you know, addressing somebody, talking to somebody, you know, giving them commands, being ready for that person to lay hands on you and, you know, to end up in close quarters with somebody so that you know what you're going to do with your gun. How's your equipment going to perform? Is your carry position the carry position that you want to work with? Appendix is a great carry position until somebody's within a foot of you because then you've got your pistol center line to the body and all they have to do is is go straight down. Yeah, you know, versus a hip carry or, you know, 
It's your five o'clock. So there's a lot of things that people by doing combatives can learn about their firearms usage. Well, and that, there's, there's something you said that, that triggered a memory for, from one of the first trainings we went to. And at the tactical response training, they wanted us to have a backup, whether it's a backup gun or a knife or something. And I didn't have a backup gun on me, but I had my SOG Trident. Well, when I ran out of ammo, I, we had to, I think we had to drop the gun and then go for our backup. Well, I pulled the knife out, and what happens? It slipped out of my hands. <laughs> so, you know, in that scenario, yeah, I pick the knife back up. I get ready for the fight. But in reality, if a bad guy saw me drop the knife and the gun... Like you said, they're going to be right on top of me. I, and you're, you know, in that situation, you you want to kick them away. Yeah. You know, get, 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 you don't want to kick the firearm so far away that some kid, you know, picks it up and runs off with it. But, you know, if you've got a knife, <laughs> Free you don't gun! want them, Yeah. <laughs> if they don't have a knife and you have a knife and you lose control of the knife, you want the knife out of the equation to lessen, you know, the chance that you might get stabbed. You don't want to be wrestling over the knife any more than you want to be wrestling over the gun. Sure. And, you know, learning those basic combative skills is, you know, the ultimate backup, you know, that nobody knows that you know how to defend yourself. They don't know that you have a concealed carry weapon, but they also don't know that you know how to damage them with your hands or feet, your your ultimate concealed weapons. Just put them in your pocket, walk around. Or your flying dragon claw. The Vulcan (laughs) nerve pinch. I mean, you you never know if you spockify somebody what's going to happen. I tell you, you were, you were talking about using your, the blade of your hand. That was one of the things I learned in one of the classes I took when I took the jiu-jitsu class. They kind of taught us a few other different disciplines, but not as in-depth as they did with the jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu? Wow, I can't even talk. <laughs> the jiu-jitsu. <laughs> but they were showing us how effective the blade hand is, even though it... You know, growing up watching all these karate flicks and everything, it, you kind of think of it as cheesy with your hand out like a blade. But they told us to hit our um, your traps, hit your traps as hard as you can without like going too far and see how painful it is. And we all kind of did it and it kind of gave us this numb sensation. He goes, now imagine if somebody did that to you as hard as they possibly could. You're, well, go- if you you're hit, going to the ground. Yeah, if you hit into the vagus nerve on the side of the neck, which yeah. is if, if you look at the the – the modern fathers of combatives, going back to Colonel Rex Applegate and you know Fairburn and Sykes, most of them learned judo and jujitsu, which are you know kind of brother systems. Mm-hmm. And you know judo is a lot of open hand strikes, and that's one of the keys of um, you know that's the that's the difference between boxing, martial art, and combatives. Is in boxing and martial art, you're generally not going to have a lot of open hand strikes. Versus combatives, where you have a lot of open hand strikes because you get that knife edge hand or the knife edge of the hand. You mm-hmm. get the forearm into the strike. You can cup your hand and do um, do a cupped hand strike to the ear or into the jaw. You know, the open hand strike is where when you see people using open hand strikes, then you're looking at combatives. You know, we teach boxing and we teach, you know, fist fighting so that people get used to taking impact and they get used to fighting and getting into different positions of control. But most of the strikes that we completely teach are all open hand strikes because they're the most effective thing to do a lot of damage 
in a quick amount of time, but you also get a larger area that you can do damage with. With a fist, depending on the size of your fist, if your fist is, you know, if you have a small hand, you got a small fist, that's a very small area that will do damage to the other person versus opening your hand up. Now you have the entire length of your hand and your forearm. Not only that, but anatomically, if you don't hit the exact perfect way you can break so many bones from a punch like a boxing punch if your wrist didn't wrap when when i was a kid my brother um i remember my dad came and got me out of school and he was like we have to take your brother to hospital my brother had gotten into a fight um in middle school and he had broken his broken his hand punching a kid in the head oh and you know that generally doesn't happen when you use open hand rigid strikes on the body um the other thing psychologically that people tend to forget is is that if you start punching, you start boxing. Then you're in a boxing match. Yep. If you start open hand striking, you're not in a boxing match. You are in do as much damage as I possibly can do, and your resets are different than boxing. Your ranges become different than boxing. Um, your mentality becomes different from boxing when you decide that you're going to combatively strike versus boxing or martial arts strike. Sure, and and to kind of explain it on the radio, it may not translate. We may we'll see if it starts to sound horrible. Just stop me. Put <laughs> put your fist in your palm, everybody, and kind of push against your palm, and you'll feel how much wiggle there is in your wrist. And if you really think about it, unless you hit perfect, that wiggle is going to give and you're not going to get full force. But now do palm against palm and you're hitting basically with the two bones in your forearm. I mean, it's like a straight shot from those bones with no give at all. Yeah, you're driving the owner, I mean, just straight up into the person right? um, versus a punch. And, you know, a lot of people, once you start learning to punch, you want to learn to box. But if you're carrying a firearm, the goal is to not get into a boxing match. No. The, the goal is to damage the person to either get to the firearm or create distance between you that you might be able to affect an escape. And another thing that people forget about is, is that if you go in there and you do, you know, your, your boxing, your regular martial art, and I'm not downing boxing or regular martial art, but in that situation, you are more likely to get tied up in a fist fight. And if you have defense of a third party that's there, you don't have time to be boxing with somebody while your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, is three feet away from you. You know, if wolves travel in packs or pairs, you know, and they're hunting in a pair, then you're leaving the other person there. So you have to do as much damage as you can possibly do. Um, in the shortest amount of time that you can do to either get to your firearm or, you know, get to an escape area. I, I always, you know, I, like I said, I'm not telling, oh, martial arts bad. You know, I've got my martial arts background. I've got my boxing background. You know, I boxed in middle school and high school. And then one day I got into um, an altercation on a close protection detail in a elevator. Was that with Ludacris? A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we were it not was, with um, ludicrous, but you know. no, but it was a funny situation because we were trying to get out of this elevator, um, and the the club security was the gigantic beast type of guys that you see in the club. And later on, the funny thing was, is that year after we got off a tour, they rated the worst Rolling Stone magazine rated the worst clubs in America, and like every club that we had gone to was on that list. 
And this club was the top one. It was like in St. Louis or something. And we were trying to get out the elevator and the club security guy started pushing me back and I'm pushing him and Chris got taken out by, you know, his primary guy. And next thing I know, I'm in a fight up against the in an elevator with a guy that was probably about six seven, six eight, three twenty. And he picked me up and my feet were off the ground. And he had his forearm into my throat, and he was repeatedly slamming me. And that's when you suddenly go, you know, all this martial arts stuff, I need to thumb the eye. I need to get his throat. You know, I have to back him off through impact and pain rather than try all this neat martial arts stuff. Um, You know, and when somebody's that big and they've got you and they're beating the hell out of you, you're not thinking about – Oh, well, I'm going to use this technique and this technique and this technique. Hmm. So if you know that your worst case scenario is going to happen, then you train for the worst case scenario and then you train for that, you know, 60 percent of your time. And then the other 40 percent is what kind of neat stuff can I do that, you know, looks cool or we can have a good time in class or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you got to train to the worst case scenario when it comes to combatives. So that those weapons are there and they're readily available to you and you've, you know, put yourself into that situation to be able to to fight. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just they're they're good on the gun, but they're not used to somebody, you know, grabbing a hold of them, beating them up because they're going to start wrestling. They don't know how to disengage from the fight. They don't know how to get out of it. They don't know the different strikes they can use to start to get their way out of the fight. They're going to end up wrestling with the person and they're going to be wrestling with a gun there. Sure. And, you know, the the basic, you know, okay, the person comes up to you hit them up into the face and so forth. That's one strike. If it doesn't stop them or you miss, what are you going to do? And that's why you get your, your shooting partners or you come to like a course that we're putting on with Sage Dynamics in the summer, which is all combatives with, you know, and work with your training partners on those types of situations. Common sense, if you think about it. I, yeah, I, I mean, I tell you, I've had enough fights. I've been in enough bad situations, enough fights. I mean, I've I've been stabbed. I've been cut. I've been stun-gunned. I've been everything that you can possibly have been shot at. And you kind of learn, like, well, I'm just going to go for the worst-case scenario and make sure that I'm really good with worst-case scenario because everything else after that is probably going to be golden. And it's like I've been told many times before in my life, going in junior high, high school, everybody's like, oh, I'm, you know, I kick this guy's ass. I, I, I get in a fight here. I get in a fight there. It's completely different. Now that we're adults, the only reason we should ever get in a fight is if it's to defend our own life or somebody that we're our loved ones, especially, especially if you own and carry a gun. You should never be looking for a fight whatsoever. But... If you do get into a fight, it's like you were saying, there's really no such thing as a fair fight when it comes to defending your life. So you go for the eyeballs, you go for the throat, you go for whatever you could possibly do. I mean, am I am I off there? Or? No, I mean, the, the thing is, like you said, I mean, unless you're a drunk that goes to the bar, and I'm sure somebody listening is, and, you know, <laughs> no. <books>, they're... <laughs> They're drunk listening to this at the bar. They're that guy that's got the the headphones on. But if they um, play this at a bar, I'm going to that bar and hanging out <laughs> and telling them to stop because that's a really bad idea. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's there really is 
no reason to end up in a fight. Um, you know, if you can at all control the situation in any way, shape, or form. But if you're going to get in a fight, the goal of the fight is to stop the fight as soon as possible, doing as much legally permissible damage to the other person while taking as little damage to yourself as possible. Now, when you say legally permissible, kind of expand on that. Like, if you're, if let's say, let's say it's you, for instance, you probably know a way to kill a guy 20 different ways without a firearm or a knife, right? You just got to my fighting the, the miss with fact. Anyway, no, I'm oh, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, but anyway, go on. I'm sorry. But if you know what you're doing, there's probably ways. Well, there's not probably. There are ways you can kill a person with just your hands, feet, elbows, head, whatever. If somebody is, if you really know your life's in danger and there's no way out, what would the legal ramifications be for somebody like you who's well-trained, who who has an extensive background in it? What what would happen to you if, if you ended up killing somebody? Well, I mean, it depends on the state you're in. It depends on the city you're in. It depends on the, the ordinance. That's why I tell people, you know, the, the if you're going to learn to defend yourself, the first thing to do is, is learn the laws around you. Mm-hmm. And the second thing to do is, is learn the crimes that are around you. There's no reason to learn how to do gun disarms if you live in a country where firearms are illegal and everybody's carrying a knife. Right. There's no reason if you know you review the facts of the area around you and get the intelligence from your crime reports and the police officers that are working in an area, and you find out that all the crimes that are happening right now is a guy is running around with a baseball bat and hitting them, hitting people with a baseball bat, and you spend eighty spend eighty percent of your time doing knife disarms. Sure. Um, the the second part of it is is that you have to get to a certain point where you get. And this is up to the the legal situation that, you know, where do you draw the line between self-defense and manslaughter or murder? Right. And that's something that you have to know when you, you know, a firearm's one thing. But when you work, when you're fighting somebody, if they say stop, if they can't fight anymore, if they can't fight back, if they didn't do, I mean, if they... If they get in a fight with you, but it's just a regular bar fight, they're not in your house trying to kill you. Those are the types of questions that you have to know by talking to an attorney or you know knowing your local law. Where are you – at what point are you able to defend yourself with lethal force without a weapon? Um, because what, what people forget is, is that the human body is a very funny thing. You can fall the wrong way and end up without the use of your legs for the rest of your life. Sure. You can fall the wrong way and you can end up in a wheelchair drinking out of a straw and pissing into a bag for the rest of your life. So there's a very fine line between being able to fall down and that happened to you and making someone else fall down that it happens to them. Right. And a lot of times people, you know, the adrenaline gets going, you're, you're fighting and so forth, the guy's knocked out, he's down, he can't fight back, and you keep beating him. That's hard to artic- articulate. Yeah. You know, I was, I was here and the guy was drunk and he attacked me and, you know, he fell down and knocked himself out and I kept kicking him in the head. Like, <laughs> those are the types of things that you have to know. If you know very basic good combatives, I have a general rule. I'm not going to teach a student anything that they could use to kill somebody if they're intoxicated or completely overwhelmed by a situation that their adrenaline could get the best of them. 
if they're going to kill somebody, they're going to do it on accident and be able to articulate that they did it on accident. They're not going to say, well, I learned to kill people from X. Right. <laughs> and so that's what I did here. Matt Powell taught you, me. Yeah, Matt Matt Powell at Promac.com, you know, <laughs> taught me how to snap spines and, you know, rip people's heads off their bodies and then pull their entrails out. <laughs> That's hard to articulate in court. People, you know, a lot of times we don't get into the legalities of what self-defense is and what you are allowed to do and not do between a firearm, a knife. And, I mean, you think about a knife fighting with a knife. At what point have you stopped defending yourself and are you offending another person? If you fought the guy off but you keep stabbing him, those are the types of questions that I can't give somebody legal advice because I don't know what state or city or sure. where they're at. But if you learn good basic combatives to be able to defend yourself and be able to either fight to the gun or defend yourself to control another person, to render another person unable to continue fighting, mm -hmm. um, in general, you're going to learn those things, but it's not going to be something that you could just kill somebody. Killing somebody, you can take the head. People always – you look at the movies and they like snap the guy's neck by moving it a little bit. You can <laughs> literally take the head and, I mean, you can turn that thing more than 180 degrees. Yeah. I mean – they'll live. Yeah. The, the human body can take a lot of damage and there's a lot of damage that you can do to somebody without learning how to do lethal force. Sure. Um, Sambo, which was you know what I was originally trained in, self-defense without weapons. It was you know a Russian form of martial art. For the civilians, the the thought process was is that we're going to teach people to defend themselves, but not how to attack another person because in a polite society, there's no reason you should ever attack another person. Right. The attacker would always be somebody that is with outside the confines of the law, so you should be able to defend yourself. Police and military learn to attack people. I don't think that's accurate in you know in in the US. And so, you know, you have to be able to know the things that you can do to cause a lot of damage to somebody, whether it's you know, tying them up or immobilizing them or making them pass out due to constriction of blood flow to the brain. Um, because, you know, strangulation really doesn't Nobody – very rarely do people get a chokehold put on them and they pass out because they can't breathe. Right. In actuality, it's constricting blood flow to the brain mm -hmm. and the brain shuts off. So there's a lot of things that you can learn without learning lethal force. If you're carrying a gun, the gun's your lethal force. After that, you really have to know the local legalities of what you're doing and at what point if you do end up in a fight, can you become liable for killing somebody. Right. And, you know, most people that get in a fight are not going to keep beating somebody. Most people are going to try to get away, which is, you know, the best thing to do. Well, and and that goes to what the number one defense of any kind of self-defense situation or fight is to avoid the fight at all costs. If you can't, then you start using everything that you know. If if there's a chance that the guy is just a, a, a drunk at a bar and he's wanting to start something and you can avoid it, talk him out of it, get out of the situation, whatever, do that first. That's your first line of defense is to get away. And every respectable trainer out there, firearms, martial arts, anybody will tell you that. They're not going to say, yep. be ready to take him out as soon as he starts talking. No, they're going to say, avoid it. And if, if by chance it happens, that's when you, the knowledge comes into play. 
Exactly. And there's a, there's a certain ethical liability on the teacher. And this is something that I think we used to have that we don't have as much anymore is that there are a lot of people today that will teach you extremely brutal ways to injure somebody. Sure. Um, you know, very, very, very brutal ways to injure somebody. And then they will tell you, if somebody talks to you and you can't avoid the fight, then you bring 100% to the fight and use everything that you can. Well, you just taught the guy to kill somebody, but you're saying bring everything that you've got and I'm just going to teach you the most brutal things that I can possibly teach you to a drunk on the street that's hassling you and pushes you trying to get money. Right. Is that a situation where you should immediately kill somebody? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not there. But I know that I have been pushed by drunks on the street. I mean, I lived in downtown Atlanta for almost nine years. They will put hands on you. They will push you. Yeah. But how do you deal with that situation? That's the question about whether you go to jail or whether you're trying to figure out how to articulate what you did to stay out of jail. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's all about you know being being intelligent in the way that you employ force on another person. Right. And I'll tell you, it's funny because this is the first time in a long time I've had a question like that. That's an intelligent question about the application of. This is the first force. time. This is the first time in a long time I've actually asked an intelligent question. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked it's out a perfect. Good thing I'm not drunk. <laughs> But most people don't. Most people don't want to 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 ask that question because it's that gray area that you know non non-ballistic lethal force in the firearms community. It's the gray area that everybody tiptoes around. Sure. And I think the easiest thing that people do is is they immediately say go to the knife. What people forget is is that committing violence to somebody with your hands is a lot different than shooting them. Sure. And using a weapon puts an object between you and the other person it removes the per the the personal contact that's there and it removes a lot of the emotion that would usually kick in when you actually now it's not going to be there when you're fighting with the person but when the person says stop okay i'm sorry i'm sorry that's where you know it usually kicks in so a lot of people they're they're gun centric so people take them from being gun centric to knife centric to baton centric to mace centric then all of a sudden you get to somebody that can use their hands. But that doesn't make any logical sense because what do you have that you walk around with all the time? Your hands. What if you're in a courthouse where you can't have a gun and you can't have a knife? What are you going to have? Your hands. What if you're, what if you're in church? What if you're in the bar? What if, those are the, the majority of the time. You, now, you may be in a state where you can always carry a gun. But if you're in a state where you're very limited to where you can do it, especially in areas that are prone to attack, everybody says, oh, you know, those gun-free zones, they're just – you're going to kill everybody. But how many people go to their kid's school with a gun on them? Sure. Because we generally obey the law. Mm -hmm. So if we can't have weapons there in a lot of places that we go, then the first thing, if you're a gun guy, the next thing you should go to is to say, okay, if I don't have my gun – then if I don't have my gun, then I'm probably not going to have any other weapon on me. I need to know how to use my hands to control at least two people. And that's what I tell people. You should be able to fight two people at one time and have enough energy left to pick up your child and run them to safety or to a hospital if they're injured. And that, Not one-on-one. -on -one. You should be able to disable one person 
and two people and be able to have enough energy afterwards to remove a third party from the situation. If you can do that, you're pretty on top of your game for combatives, and it's not that difficult to learn how to do. And that touches on something. I don't want to go too in-depth with it here. I just want to mention it again. Uh, When we had Rob Pincus in town uh, back last year about this time, one of the things he said is we were talking about the fitness level of self-defense and he made the comment how are you going to defend your house and your family if someone comes barging in the door if you can't even get off the couch to go get a beer without getting winded and i wasn't that level of fitness being poor but i had i had slacked for a while (laughs) and it hit me pretty hard and you just made another comment i need to be able to take on one or two people but still have the energy afterwards to get my kid or wife or friend or whoever to safety and fitness is a big part of self-defense that a lot of people forget, not just martial arts, firearms training. I mean, we all get, we all get reamed, reamed. That's not the word I'm thinking. <laughs> we, we all get like uh, zeroed in on standing at a, a shooter's bench at a range, loading, unloading, holding the thing, and we're standing still shooting at a target. Well, if you did that in a real firefight, you're dead. You have yeah. to be moving constantly. So it's not just, hey, I can shoot a half-inch group at 25 yards with my Glock 19. Well, you're standing still. And to me, that's not – that. It, it's funny because this is a, I've, I've had this conversation with people is that to me, that's marksmanship shooting. It's not combative shooting. Right. Just like doing point sparring in Taekwondo is – that's martial art. It's not combative fighting. Well, and there, um, there may be people listening right now that are hearing that going, well, gosh, I never thought of it that way because I am a good shot, but that's really not going to help me in a, a hectic, chaotic, adrenaline-fueled state. You know, your, your adrenaline, you've, you've got, you can use full energy for about 60 to 67 um, seconds before the, the adrenaline starts to kick off, and because adrenaline... You know, it's got a ramp up period and then it hits and then your breathing and everything is elevated. And then at a certain point, you start to get diminishing returns on what you're doing physically. It's just like working out or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It's just like sprinting. And so when you think about it, you've got a limited amount of time to perform the maximum quality work that you can possibly perform before you're going to start to exhaust yourself. Now, if you're just by yourself, and you you know you end up in a bad situation and you have to pull your gun that's one thing but if you end up in a situation where you have your wife with you and the other guy pulls a gun and he gets a shot off you put him down he's got a second person but your wife takes one to the leg and you have to drag her right now now we're starting to see where fitness plays can you drag your wife's weight 25 to 50 yards and accurately keep your gun up and return fire yeah that that's where fitness becomes you know we aaron from sage dynamics and i we we just released this video (laughs) you know um, you can say aaron and i know Uh, it's from sage dynamics (laughs) i'm so used to the martial art world where people are like are you talking about aaron neville because i hate that guy's music (laughs) i really do not But we released this product, F3, which is firearms-focused fitness. And it is taking – it is you know, kind of weaponizing your workout. And it, it can smoke the shit out of you. This workout can do it. But it's not about 
you know, lifting a kettlebell or lifting weights and holding a pistol. It's about making a workout out of the basics of what firearms usage is. And it, you know, it makes you faster. It makes you better. It does those things that gets you used to have to being able to have proper form when you have an elevated heart rate and breath rate. It, it does those certain things for you because like you, you said it perfectly. We we're so used to that square range mentality that, oh man, I can just, I'm pinging that little bitty box down at the end of the range. Look at how good I am. Mm-hmm. And then you're handing the firearm to the woman next to you that you have no, not you, the royal you, you might have no ability to pick up and throw over your shoulder and try to get out of a situation or drag her behind a car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my old mentor, one of my old mentors, Avery Mitchell, he was in a situation where there was a shooting in front of a hotel where they pulled up and they just started gunning down the crowd. And he took one through the thigh but still was able to get his wife and pull her behind cover behind a car and return fire. So those types of things happen. So that's why I always say train for the absolutely and people you're going to you're going to rise to the level of your training. It's true, but a lot of times people say it that okay, you know, you need to make sure that you got proper shot placement that you're doing this and they never think of how difficult it's going to be. Maybe you got the flu. Maybe maybe you're sick. Maybe you you got a sprained ankle. Maybe you have these certain things. Train for the worst situation. You know, if you if you live in Atlanta and you travel to Denver constantly, you're at a completely different elevation. So you're sure. going to get gassed quicker depending on where you are. I mean, you can get all the way down to how hot is it outside, and if you're on asphalt, what shoes are you wearing because it's going to make your stomach upset. And throughout the day, that's actually going to lower the amount of energy that you have, And which is crazy to, to say, but that's the level that you can break down preparedness and your fitness level. And total ADD moment, but you said something about pulling your wife behind a car. People... If you ever have to use a car as cover and that's the only thing you got, which is not a good place to use cover, get behind the wheels, yeah, the doors and the trunk, and sometimes, depending on which caliber they're using, the engine block is not yeah. going to protect you. So about the safest place to get behind on a car is right at the wheels. So Front side of the vehicle. Just a little FYI. Yeah. <laughs> up towards the engine behind the, the tires. Yep. You know? That's about if it. They, if they decide to... If they got a getaway car and they decide to go out and they got to go through your car and they go through the back end, you know, they're probably going to aim for the back end. It's going to circle around you. You don't want to be at the place where there's, you know, two pieces of aluminum and an empty truck or trunk full of, you know, groceries or something like that. Yeah. Unless you're hungry. Hey, that's where I'd be. <laughs> I'd, if I had a wife, it's probably why I don't have a wife. I'm going <laughs> to use her for cover so that I could be eating. Eat the out groceries. Of the yeah, it just it's you're trying to get to the spinach like Popeye. No, my protein bars be like <laughs> I'm getting pumped up for this gunfight. Hold on, I'm getting swell on. Okay, I'm almost ready to jump back into this. We also want to go ahead and give the winner of the trivia from the Mitch Mustaine trivia. The winner is Daryl Reese. So Daryl Reese, if you hear this, send us an email at talkingled at gmail dot com, and we'll get you a little package out to you. Uh, Give us your address, shirt size, all that jazz, and we'll get that to you. All right, so what we're going to do, Matt, we're going to have to split this show into two different episodes, but everybody, don't worry. The To Be Continued will just be like a couple of days later. (laughs) 
probably <laughs> you're gonna probably hear this on Friday evening, Saturday. The next episode will probably release on Monday or Tuesday because we'll be traveling to NRA next week. So this will also be next week's episode too. So can you join us for the second part of the episode? And we'll just splice it all in. <laughs> I am completely happy to do so. I've, this seems to be a never-ending thing at I, this I, point. I think I, we're <laughs> doing that on purpose because you've been such a good guest from the first one. We'll just continue to just drag this on. Like every time you say, hey, there's something else I want to talk about, we'll say, we'll get you next time. I'll just come in with some just uh, every now and then. I'll just come up with some random crazy rapper story or raise <laughs> yes. crazy like weird strange story that's out of nowhere because i i have plenty of them we like that, strange stories that always make me that that make me laugh whenever i think about them so all right so matt tell us a little bit more if people want to get some training from you where they go um they can go to p-r-a-m-e-k.com it's promac.com if you go to the shop um you can use the coupon talking to get 20 percent off anything that's there nice. um yeah, so 20% off by using the coupon code TALKING. Um, it, you can't use it with other coupons. So if you're on our newsletter, you can't combine it to end up with this mega discount. And, you know, there's different pl- states where you can go for training. Um, you know, it's not just me. We have, you know, instructors in New Jersey, Ohio, all the way over into Germany, Israel, Holland, the UK. We're, we're kind of all over the place. Promex actually, you know, good size organization. So you can always go to the website and contact me at matt at promex.com. Um, or you can, if you can look over to the side and you'll see, you know, start training now and it'll list out places where we have people that are teaching um, that you can hit us up and we'll get you in connection with those people. Some of the people are, you know, they're they're pure martial artists that like to discover the science of this and work slow with it. Some of the guys are, you know, former Marines. Some of the people are very fitness based. It really depends. But every one of them is going to give you the same education um, that you would get in Atlanta at our HQ. And be listening for Talking Lead doing a training with them soon. We just got to figure out the time. Yeah. <laughs> or that strange bar I was talking about where they're playing Talking Lead. And, yes. No, that, <laughs> That's where the class will be held. <laughs> that, will be the, that would be the bar of my kitchen where I'm drinking my fine um, Mad Dog 2020 wine. <laughs> Not really. Boone's Farm. Disgusting. Boone, Boone's Farm. Um, Strawberry what Hill. Was, what was the um, Bartles and James? Yes. You know, little Bartles and James action. Yes. Maybe I'll Thank you have for one your of support. those when I'm playing shuffleboard when I'm 80. <laughs> Don't forget, this is episode one of two, so be listening in a couple days for the second. And as always, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer as well as your feet, your hands, and your mind. That's one of the most important weapons that you have. 